water. Communion. And we kind of just possibly go through the motion of what we think communion is. And so over the, eight, over the next eight weeks, um, we're going to get to articulate uh, what communion is. And, um, and so as we go through this, um, I just first want to start uh, and say this, that uh, I was out mowing uh, the other day, uh, yesterday actually, and so there's this property to the south of us that um, I want, and it's about probably about an acre. Total acreage is like seven and a half. If they'd throw that in, that'd be great. Um, but but they, uh, it's there, and it's where I want to live with my wife, Jen, when all the kids move out, because we want to eliminate this possibility of them moving back in. So um, <laughs> we want to downsize to this house that has like, you know, one bedroom and maybe a loft. And you're like, but the loft even, it's like an open door. So, um, so we want to do this, but, but there's, there's a lot of growth in between, right? So there's a lot of growth in between this property and ours. And, um, and, but if you do something, if you, if you mow, you get to see into this property, right? And so if you mow this little path from our back deck, you get to see right into this property. And the property is really cool. Like if you come down the street and you turn off the street, it's blocked right now, but there's like an S-curve driveway back to this opening that's probably about twice as big as uh, the building here, and it's just this opening, and it's a perfect place to put a house, all right? And, um, and so, but I, I had this thought, and I really felt like God was speaking to me about it, is, is if I never mow that, I can never see what's over there, right? I can never look into what could be down the road. And so if I just let stuff grow up around it, that stuff, that land is just not there in my mind, right? And so another thing I felt like God was saying is, you know, and I feel like, you know, it's for me, but it could be for you too, is that, that we're not responsible for people's lack of vision, but we are responsible for making a way so that they can see, right? And so if, they, if you're still on the back deck and you're sitting with me and you don't see what I see over there, that's cool. But I like made a way for you to be able to see it. And so as we go through this series today, I really hope that's that, that is what the teaching does for us, is that it makes a way that we can see what is communion, all right? What is it about? Why do we take it? Uh, here at Lakeland Vineyard, in our context, we take communion every week. And in some traditions, they do it uh, once a month. And that's cool, all right? But why? What is the why for the what? And so as we talk about this, the series is called Come to the Table. Um, and I want us to think just for a moment, has anybody ever thought about the future in here? Yeah? Thought about it, right? Okay, good. So what I want us to do is we're going to, let's just take 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm just going to sit down. We're going to take 10 seconds, all right? And I want you to think about the future. Now, that's just your future. I just want you to think about it for 10 seconds. Go. Okay, so what did it look like in your mind? Was it peaceful? Was it chaotic? Was it five years out? Was it five minutes out? Was it 40 years out? What did it look like in your mind? And so, and so I know for 40 years out, for some of you, you'd be like 180. So here, okay, I'm kidding. But here's the deal. But what did it look like? You know, like think about it. When we think about the future, what, what I want to add on top of that is this. 
If you knew the ultimate future, all right, would you act differently now? And would you live differently now? And so what I want to cover today is that, but let's pray. Father God, the nature of who you are is overwhelmingly good. And you invite us into your presence so that we can know you more. Your grace and your love are more beautiful than any object we have ever seen, and they draw us closer to you. Your mercy reveals or relieves us and frees us to be who you've created us to be. And it's in your presence that we are healed. And you have extended the invitation to your table where there's always room for one more. Today in this space, we recognize that you are here. Would you come and have your way? And so as we go through this series, my desire, is this mic like acting crazy? It is. Cool. Okay, is that better? Okay, awesome. Could you imagine the whole time just that? That would drive me insane. Okay, so, uh, and just Rick, heads up, this thing has low battery too. So just, uh, you know, if you want to prepare. So, um, so anyways, as we're going through this, it's my desire that when, when we come to the table, all right, of the Lord's Supper is this, that, that we're full when we leave, and then that we go out on mission as we, as we begin to talk about this series. Um, the last thing that I want is for us to have a better head knowledge of, uh, the, of communion and then never do anything with it. And so today... Um, I'm going to call this talk Future Past, and I think it's so important because as we come, uh, rather than having uh, a heart uh, or, a, or a habit-formed attitude when we come to uh, communion, it needs to be a heart attitude, right? So when we practice the act of taking communion, thanks, um, when we practice the act of taking communion, what does it look like? And so there's two places I want to look today, and really three is future and I want to look at past, and then I want to look at now, in the present. And so as we talk about future, if you'd open up or turn to Revelation 19, 6 through 10, um, it says this, And then I heard again what sounded like the shout of, vast, of a vast crowd, or the roar of a mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. And then I fell down at his feet to worship. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. And so we see this. This is written, right? The future is written. There's this consummation of the kingdom that's happening, and we see it here in Revelation. And this is the ultimate, uh, this is the restoration of all things. And we look a couple chapters later in chapter 21, we see where it says that there's a new heaven and a new earth. And they're kind of doing this thing, 
right? And they join. And here's what it says. It says that God is actually the light. God's presence is the light there. And so he is overwhelmingly good. And so as we look to the future, we see that the future is written and there's this restoration. But in order to look at the future, we have to look at the past. And so we go way back. uh, And this isn't going to be on the air Bible here, but it's in Exodus 12. And we're going to kind of give a, I'm going to give a synopsis of this. In Exodus 12 and 13, here's what I want you to do. If you have like, if you want to look at this, I would say, go home, read this stuff. It's so good. All right, so you read Revelation 19, come back, read Exodus 12 and 13, but I'm going to give you the synopsis right now. This is the first Passover. There was a people called Israel, and they were called the Israelites, and they were God's chosen people, and what happened is they were taken into captivity in Egypt, and in Egypt, they became slaves, and then, they, then God heard the cry of his people, and he, he raised up a leader in Moses, and his brother Aaron. And so what they do, and then can I just give you a little, um, just a relief. If you don't think you're qualified to lead, you're probably not, all right? But God will qualify you. And Moses thought that very same thing, like, I can't do this. This is way too much. I can't lead these people. But God qualifies him. He gives him Aaron uh, as a helper. And, and so here, here's the deal. They're going to go, they've been in captivity, and God is going to set them free. And here's what's going to happen. They get instructions for what's called the Passover. And the Passover is where God is going to come through, and he is going to take out the firstborn of every, everyone in Egypt. All right? And so he gives instruction, and he says, listen, you'll have to have a lamb that's, that has no blemishes, okay, that is flawless, that comes in, and you need to sacrifice the lamb. The lamb actually lives with you, but, but you're going to sacrifice this lamb. And then, and then what you're going to do is you're going to take the blood of the lamb and you're going to put it on the top of your doorframe and on the side of your doorframe. And it's a sign that you are covered, all right, in, in this sacrifice that's being made. And then what you're also going to do is you're going to make bread, and this bread's going to not be leavened. It's going to be unleavened bread. And because, of, because you have to be ready to go, it's going to be unleavened bread. We don't have time for this to, to rise, right? And so they make this unleavened bread, and they're there, and they have their sandals on, and they have their staff in their hand, because when it's time to go, it's time to go. And so Passover happens. And so here's what God goes on to say, and the Israelites are spared. And it says this, too. It says that if anybody that's a foreigner among you wants to participate in Passover, the men in that household have to be circumcised. And now later on, Paul says this, and Paul wrote like over half the New Testament. He says, you don't have to be circumcised anymore. You have to be circumcised of the heart. That God makes a way for you to be grafted in to his kingdom. And so back to Exodus here, he gives this, and he says, listen, do this, or on this day each year from generation to generation, tell your people about this. What does it mean? And here's what it means. It means this, that Passover was a sign of freedom, that you were set free from the bondage that you were in, all right? And so when we see this happening in Exodus in 12 uh, and 13, this makes a huge difference because as we fast forward even to our, our past, but fast forward in the Bible to Matthew 26, we see Jesus. And Jesus is going to give instruction to his disciples, and he's going to go, hey, go grab a room, And we're going to prepare a Passover meal. And so this is thousands of years later, right? A thousand years later. Here is Jesus. 
and he is observing the Passover. And the Passover is happening. And these guys that are his disciples and those that are in the room, they know what this is about. They know that this is to remember the oppression that they were under and how God set them free and led them out of slavery, right? And so here's Jesus in Matthew 26, and he says these words. So they're all gathered around the table, and and he says, uh, take this and eat it, for this is my body. Now he took the unleavened bread, no doubt, that they were celebrating Passover with, and he broke it into pieces, and he gave it to them, and he said, this is my body. Now here's what he's saying here. You know what this means, right? This is what Jesus is saying. You know what this means, but I'm telling you what it means now. We've celebrated it together to celebrate what was in the past, all right? But today, it's changing. This is my body, all right? And then he goes on, and he talks about this. He goes, he took the cup, and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant, and some translations say new covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, what is he saying there? He's saying the same thing as he said with the bread. He's saying, this is what you know this, this wine to represent. Now, this is what it represents. This is my blood. Now, in John 6, this is before they had the Passover meal. In John 6, Jesus is going to say some really radical stuff, all right? And when I say radical, I don't care what context you're in. It's weird, all right? And so he says this. He's talking about Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, all right? And he's referring to the manna that was provided to the Israelites. God provided this manna from heaven during the Israelites' travels. And he says this, though. He goes on. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat my flesh, the son of, of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because I live because of the Father who has sent me. In the same way, anyone who eats on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as our ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but they will live forever. Now, many people that were following him said, paraphrase, dude, I can't deal with that. Okay? And they left. All right? And so what he's saying here is you have to drink. You have to, like, follow me the way that I am, the things that I'm saying, the, the culture, if you will, that I'm creating, the new covenant that I represent. You have to follow that. And then you have to be all in on that. And so there in those examples in Exodus, we see the, the original Passover. In Matthew 26, we see Jesus preparing the Passover, or the disciples preparing the Passover. And then Jesus gives new meaning to the Passover. And then in John 6, he makes that incredible statement that says, you know, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. So the past is written. 
So the future is written. We saw that in Revelation. The past is written. And so what we explore today is this space that is the present. And what does it mean right now? Like when we come to the table, what does it mean? It says this, and then how is, how is this being written? And in 2 Corinthians 3, it says this, that, that Jesus is writing our lives out, that our lives actually get to be living epistles, living stories of God to people. And so he's writing that, and he's writing that with you and I, and he's, he's using us as instruments of grace and mercy in the world that we live in right now. And so that's a, that's a huge deal. And so at the present time, we're caught in between two times. Now, everybody hear me on that. I don't want to sound like a space uh, trilogy here or something. Right now in the present time, the past has been written and the future has been written. Now, I asked you earlier, if you knew your ultimate future, would you live differently now? We know our ultimate future. So how we live now matters. And so I would say this to you, and I would ask this question of you. How do we posture ourselves when we come to the table? Do we posture ourselves in a way that we solely look forward to the hope of the future? And I believe if we do that, I believe that we detach ourselves from right now. And there's a little thing called escapism. Do you know what escapism is? It means that we're looking so forward that we don't really deal with what's going on right now. But we're just going to, we're going to have the loin, loincloth and the harp. All right? Hopefully not, like I said before, okay? But if we focus solely on the past, what do we do there? Well, we also detach ourselves from right now. Now, if we solely focus on the present, what can happen to us? Well, we can get overwhelmed, Right? Like, oh, there's so much stuff going on. I can't handle it all, you know. And every maybe, hopefully, you don't have this attitude. But, like, you know, some people are, like, they're, they're on Facebook and they're watching the news too much. And everything is just bad. Okay? Have you ever noticed that the news just has a lot of bad stuff on it? That's not all that's going on in the world, I promise. All right? And so, I mean, be informed, but, like, don't let it determine your right now. And my, some of you are sitting here, and maybe you're saying, well, I have a kid that's far from God. Or maybe some of you have a diagnosis. Or maybe some of you are single mothers. Or maybe some of you have just had a really rough life, and you're saying, yeah, but what about right now? I'm saying to you this, that God wants to invade you. He knows where you're at. He hasn't forgot about you. And right now matters. And so what I would say is this. No, we don't, we don't come to the table and we don't take and we don't just solely look forward to the future hope. We don't solely look back. We don't solely look at right now. What we have to do is take all three of those and we have to come to the table and we have to weigh them equally. We thank God for the future hope that is right now. And we thank God for the past that's made a, diff- for the past that's made a difference for right now. See, because without Jesus, we don't have right now and we don't have a future, right? The kingdom of God is coming uh, to invade. And when I say invade, that sounds so aggressive. The kingdom of God is coming in to transform lives. That's what he does, 
All right? And so I would just want to say this. Let's have a posture that makes us relevant to the people around us. A posture that, that, that makes us and allows us to come alongside people and meet them right where they are. Because if we read about Jesus, Jesus didn't say, hey, get your stuff together and then come follow me. Jesus said, come follow me as you are right now. And so he loves you right where you are right now. And he is calling us to love people right where they are right now. And here's what we can do. We can love them with a hope in the future and a knowledge of the past, the knowledge that Jesus Christ, that his life, his death, and his resurrection has set us free. And so I just want to encourage you as we kind of lay the foundation here for what communion is. It's important. It's a thing that we do. We do it to remember, and we do it to hope, and we do it to reflect on right now. And so today we're going to take a little bit differently, okay? The order didn't get messed up. We didn't forget anything, okay? Some of you are thinking, man, we're not even going to take communion today. Here's what we're going to do for the next eight weeks. We're going to take communion at the end of service, all right? Because here's what I want us to do. I want us to learn, and then I want us to take, all right? And so we're going to dismiss a little bit differently today. It's actually going to be quiet in here. Right, and if you have a baby, you're good. Okay, like if she likes says something, don't worry. Like, okay, like, but we're gonna be quiet. And here's what I want to do: I want us to think and thank God for the future hope. I want to thank thank God for the present that He's got us in. Like you're created right now for right now. Like you're not an accident. And I want to thank God for the past and the things that he's done and led up to this point. And so we're going to take, and you can take together, and there's four corners. And we're going to dismiss a little bit different today. We're going to do just a quiet dismissal. After you take communion, you're free to go. And what I would say to you is go full of the Spirit and go on mission and go in the peace, the love, and the mercy of God. And when you leave... Don't forget your kids, okay? Like, don't be so peaceful that you forget your kids, all right? But we do want, we do want you to go. So it might be a little different. You guys might think, wow, it's pretty quiet in here. Yeah, because we're coming to the table of the Lord, all right? And I want us to think about that and what that means. Andy, I wonder if you could pray for somebody that uh, passed out last year. Yeah, we'll do it. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, your table. Thank you that you invite invite us to it, that there is a a significance, God. We know that in the elements, God, they're just bread and it's just juice. But there's significance in what it represents, and that's you. And so, God, I pray that as we come to the table that we would find wholeness, we would find healing. God, I pray for this person with maybe a left shoulder situation going on. I pray that you would just heal them completely. God, do what only you can do and bring restoration. But Father, I pray that we would go in your peace and your love and in your joy. 
God, and I pray that we would go on mission to tell people about the hope that's found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and take, and then you are dismissed.